I remember them sitting in the middle of our little hotel room that we were in, and I sat there on the table, at, at, on the, on one of the chairs, and I said, what have we just done? Travelled like 10, 12-hour flight and brought my whole family here, my boys don't even know what's going on properly, and I had that feeling, what have I just done? And went for a walk outside, and it was so busy, and I, I think God just made me realize this is why you're here. There are a lot of people, millions and millions. Yeah. I think it was like, what, 90 million or 98 million at that time. And there are many that don't know God like you know him. So I think God was just saying, this is where I want you to be, you know. Yeah. I just had to realize that obviously you're going to miss family. You're going to miss uh, the normal. But you've got to step out in faith and trust me in this one. Welcome to the Hacka Podcast. My name is Greg Hackathorn. I hope you all are doing well. Today we have a special treat for you. We have two guests on the podcast. This is my first time having a couple on, but I thought it would be great to hear from both of them. So if you can excuse any crosstalk, like I said, it's my first time having two on, and it obviously was their first time being on a podcast together. Billy and Lisa Lemon are Assistant Superintendent of the UPC New Zealand and have served God in many different capacities, from youth president to missionaries to church planners. We are so blessed to have them with us today. Before we get to the conversation, we have a five-star review that I would like to share with you. This one is from a fellow podcaster. It reads, As much as I love listening to different podcasts and as well hosting two podcasts of my own, the Hacker Podcast is a definite must-listen. Loving the content, whether from guests or the host himself, it is an awesome source for every listener and would highly recommend. That was from Cruz Cadre. Shout out to him. He's the host of the Everyday Apostolics and Everyday Fijians podcasts. Thank you, bro, for listening and for leaving us that great review. You can find his podcasts on a number of different platforms similar to where you find this one. I always enjoy getting reviews and hearing from those who listen to the podcast. Plus, every rating and review does actually help us when it comes to new people discovering the show across the world. I know I discovered a couple podcasts just this last week based on recommendations that I got from reviews or from other podcasts that I listen to. So please keep them coming. I appreciate every one of them. Well, now that we have taken care of all of that, let's get to my conversation with Billy and Lisa Lindley. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Cool. Awesome to be here with you. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us. I'm excited because this is my uh, first time having two people on at the same time. And uh, I, I love both of you and, and have been friends with you guys for over a decade now. And I was just excited that you guys said yes to come on to the podcast to share a bit about your journey. No, we are we are honored and privileged just to, to be part of this. Very nervous, but uh, <laughs> hey, we we, we to uh, just enjoy uh, sharing our story with uh, everyone. And yeah, no worries, I I still get nervous every time I sit down to record, so there's <laughs> no stress. Well, uh, I think you guys have listened to a few of the episodes, but I 
I'd like to start out with you all giving a bit of a background uh, about yourselves, you know, sort of where you come from, your worldview, and, and if we could get both of you, so happy for Brother Billy for you to go first, and then Sister Lisa, just to hear a little bit about your story. Yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, my name's Brother Billy Lemon. So I, I grew up in a, a little town called South Auckland, and I think if you mention mention South Auckland to many people, they will cringe and wonder why. But uh, like like Nazareth, good things do come out of South Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, I was born in South Auckland and grew up, spent most of my years in South Auckland. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed my childhood growing up. Back in those days, we all know that there's no Wi-Fi, no no internet back in those days. And so to do fun things was more about, you know, BMX riding, mm. um, playing in the mud, street cricket and street long ball and, and just playing normal games that, that kids do. Yeah. And yeah, sort of grew up with a musical family and family that loved uh, music. Um, but I got more into DJing. Um, uh, my, my uncles did a lot of DJ, so I, I grew up with that sort of thing. And I think when, not long after I came to the Lord, I, I transitioned from secular music to Christian music, put out a few, few uh, CDs for the young people. Nice. I think they're floating around somewhere in the, uh, atmosphere somewhere. Um, but yeah, I think later on from that, I, I started getting into skateboarding actually, mm. uh, as a young man. Loved it, loved the adrenaline and loved all of that kind of thing. Yeah, and so that's my childhood anyway, growing up. I guess coming to the Lord was a, a different story. I, I did not grow up uh, in the things of God. Um, I knew my mum, she she did a lot of reading. And so in her room, she was into these um, books called Mills and Boons. Uh, I think they okay. were like love story books. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd bring that, but but there was one book on her on a shelf which was a Bible, and, and every time I looked at it, it was marked, and so I think she had an idea of God and and the things of God, but um, I I did not grow up in that. Mm. It wasn't until my teenage years that got into a bit of trouble myself, as as some of us do, and I realised that I needed to leave South Auckland, and ended up moving down to Wellington where Pastor Peter uh, had a job for me. So, oh, wow. and it was there where we, I guess, it's my first contact with the things of God. We moved in with a pastor and I just want to acknowledge the Wikitor family who played a big part in, in my journey in the Lord. Uh, but we lived in their home and it was a pastor's home. So everything happened there and me being fresh, not knowing anything. Um, it was there where I got to witness them having Bible studies. Also, Bible school was in their home, so we'd sneak past the window, you know, like um, <laughs> try not to be seen. <laughs> but it was there where, you know, things started happening in my life concerning the things of God. Pastor Peter was a, a real inspiration in my life, and also my wife, Lisa. Mm -hmm. um, they really taught me a lot about walking with God. And in Wellington, it was where Pastor Peter sort of led me to get closer to the Lord. He, he actually kept 
Um, every Sunday he would travel to one of the churches in Wellington and he'd always ask me if I wanted to go. Many times I said no. But the day that I did go, uh, I, I realised that, you know, this this was the life that, that I, I wanted. And it was in a uh, youth camp in Wellington where God uh, touched my life, was baptised in the name of Jesus Christ back in 1991. So it was a few years ago now. Awesome. Uh, filled with the Holy Ghost and just yeah, walking my life from there. So God's been been good to me at that time. Amen. I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave it there for a little while. And I'll <laughs> say something. Thanks for having us here. Of course. Um, so I was born in Auckland, but when I was seven years old, we moved to Christchurch. My father. I've grown up in church. Sorry. Um, yeah, church has been the biggest part of my life and I've, I don't remember not ever going to church, not ever attending church. Um, from a very young age, it was something I always loved, the, the worship, mm -hmm. um, Sunday school, I was brought up in Sunday school. So um, when I turned seven, we moved to Christchurch, Dad started a work there with my mother, her name was Nellie. We lived there for about, I think about 13 or so years um, and that's where we grew up for most of our childhood um, separated from all of our family actually mm. because in those days not many traveled to the South Island from the North Island mm. our my grandparents my um, my mother's parents they moved also to the South Island with us so they were one of the very few family that moved with us yeah we just we grew up in church grew up more or less, um, with the expectation of, yeah. of others as yeah. pastors' children, um, but I did. I, I loved. I loved my life. I loved serving God, and I love that um, I had the privilege of being a a pastor's kid and a child of God. Yeah. It was a big part of my life in the way of music, um, just even just getting to know other people. What else? I don't really know what else to say except, yeah, that, um, that I, I just, I grew up in the church. So it has always been a big part of my life and I'm very blessed and thankful that my parents brought us up in that way. Hmm. And you all are quite famous, the Russells, you girls, you're quite famous for your singing. You have a singing group. Did you guys, you guys uh, obviously would have led worship at your uh, father's church and to be honest, you know, when we were young, we didn't really do much. It was our mother. She uh -huh. um, she loved to sing. She also could play the guitar. And when she passed away in 1985, um, I was 11, Val was two. Mm. And she, uh, that's when, it was after she passed away that we just, we started getting into singing more. Right. Because she would sing for our father everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he needed new singers. So it wasn't something we loved at the time because, I don't know, it was like we were records, you know. <laughs> press, press the CD or press, you know, press the button and, and we had to sing. That's how we felt. But um, at the time, so we practiced a lot and we, um, we really committed ourselves to, to learn how to sing and to to um, bring out harmonies and things like that. Um, 
we didn't always enjoy it, but it became a huge part of our lives. And when we learned to worship and we, when we learned to surrender ourselves over to God, that's what really changed everything for us. Yeah. Because at first it was duty. It was because our father asked us to do it. But once we had our or formed our own relationship with God, it became a huge part of our lives. It, yeah. It's so great to see that all of you are still very much involved in worship, leading worship, singing, playing. The Pentecostals of Auckland are, are blessed with a, a great music team. I enjoy it too, because I, all I need to do is fill in the back, the backgrounds. <laughs> That's right, bro. So how did you two meet? How did, uh, you, you talked about growing up. How did you two come to meet and then get married? We met through family, actually, um, to make a long story short. We met through family and then Bill started going through some things and my dad offered him a job basically yeah, that's that's why i ended up in wellington um mm. we we're already sort of um you know like dating writing letters yeah she she yeah she lived in in the Fresh south street. island and and i was back up here in auckland so yeah we, we met through family i think she saw a handsome young moldy boy with wavy hair <laughs> no, 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 but yeah, we, 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 I don't know, we had this love for one another, you know, and I think what was important is that we got to know one another first. Um, I think we were five years together before we actually got married. Oh, wow. So it was a long time of getting to know one another and, um, but. But my dad was also very instrumental in that because yeah. he was very strict as well yeah. and, um, he he more or less says that there's no way we were getting married until he could see that bill had a relationship with god for himself and not for me so that was a very yeah important part of of yeah our relationship basically yeah we 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 came through a lot of uh things together bible school a lot of different workings in the church uh, helping out wherever we could and so i think my experience in 1991 and, and then just growing from there, I think it helped in, in, in the building of our relationship as well. Yeah. And um, I still so blessed when uh, Pastor Peter said, yes, you can marry her <laughs> now. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah. You're, a bit like, you're a bit like Jacob and he was like, Laban, is that what's going on? <laughs> a little bit now. <laughs> So how long have you two been serving in ministry together? You sort of said that you guys had been doing stuff around the church uh, prior to even marriage, but once you came together, how long have you been serving in ministry? So together, I think it's, it's we've been married 27 years this year. So that's pretty much how long we've been in ministry together. That's awesome. I guess I did want to share about my first experience in ministry. I remember... When I first came to to doing a ministry, sorry, I was called to a home, um, and I, as I walked into this home, there was a group of men. I, I'd never met them before, um, but I realised that it was the the general board of the UPC and Z, <laughs> uh, and they actually called me in because they wanted me to paint a a sign on the prison baptism font. So they wanted baptised in Jesus' name. And back then I was really into a lot of artwork and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I did that 
And I think that was the starting of my ministry. I think when Pastor Hey Hey, uh, and I acknowledge uh, Pastor Hey Hey for his um, just being a great mentor and a man of God in my life and in our in our lives. But he enjoyed uh, just what I could do there. And so from that first painting on that baptism font, I became the the guy that paints the banners for every conference. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was, uh, I guess, the first start of ministry for, for me. And um, so some of the, the banners that went up at conference, the, the paint was still trying to dry. <laughs> and, um, but it... it, it it sort of led to a lot of things. Myself and Lisa, we we started off in the, in the Sunday school ministry. I enjoyed being a, you know, having fun with the children, being a clown and drawing with them and just um, teaching them. Back then, you know, I was still trying to learn a few things concerning the things of God, but yeah. I was able to teach them basics. And what I enjoy now is that a lot of them are serving the Lord today. And wow, that's cool. Some of them, some of them come up to us and say, you know, you know, I remember you from Sunday school. I, I, they've grown up. A lot of the guys that grow up from from children, man, they they look different nowadays. <laughs> yeah, but we did Sunday school. And then there was a need for youth leaders, and we went came through um, being youth leaders as well. Enjoyed that thoroughly. Being a youth leader um, made us really work. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really work, really learn how to treat um, others and how to listen. And, and it, it, I don't know, made us, we, we had to prepare ourselves more, you know, with the things of God and, and, and prepare ourselves to teach them, to help them, to lead them. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed being a part of the youth ministry. That's awesome. And I figured the, the answer would be somewhere along those lines that, that you guys have been serving in ministry together as long as you've been married because that's the same for my wife and i basically <laughs> we got married and then the next week you're you're serving in ministry together what advice would you give a young person that's looking for a spouse a young person who's in church uh they, you know they have a, a calling on their life god is going to use them what advice would you give them when they're looking for a spouse I'd say just don't compromise your calling for for someone who looks good. You know? mm. um, don't settle for less. Like, be intentional about who you're going to marry. You know, put that to God. Like, pray about it because it's going to sound really lame. Um, but when I was younger, I did pray about what I wanted in as you know as as. A spouse for my life and um because i wanted to remain in the ministry i wanted i didn't want to be a pastor's wife i just said that to god i don't want to be a pastor's wife but i do want to be in the ministry and i do want to be committed to you and i i prayed that god would give me someone or send me someone but you know i wasn't really very specific and i believe that we can be specific when it comes to aligning to with god's will so don't just set don't just settle for anyone and don't mm. compromise your calling for for love. Yeah, that's um, so good. Yeah, I think for me is um, be reading that book, uh, Worth the Wait. And I think, you know, like for ourselves, those five years before we got married, they were years of us learning about each other, 
having and, conversations yeah you know and you know um usually you know when it comes to relationships people just you know straight away we just want to be a, Let's get married. Let's do all of these things. But I think it's good that we Straight can just to the physical. Just wait yeah. and, and learn about each other and, and find out what what makes each other happy. Um, and and just trying to work together. That's that's what I found. I'll say it again, we you know, five years together before we got married. When it was our twenty fifth anniversary, that that's like a milestone in, in many marriages. Um, but it was lockdown, you know. Um, yeah. We 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 it was the first lockdown here and there was nothing and we we couldn't celebrate 27 years now and hopefully we can come <laughs> travel somewhere <laughs> to celebrate that but I think we've enjoyed our years together um you know we have our intense conversations yeah. but that's all a part of, of of being married and and the love for one another we have two boys uh Ethan, who is about 26 years old now, mm. and Zachariah will be 20 this year. And we had a grandson. That's right. Uh, yeah, last year. So because of lockdown again, we weren't able to see him for three three months. But now we get to see him every second every second week. So it's been good. Oh, been good. good. But I think just that waiting and you know going to God and, and just continuing to seek God. I think that's that's my encouragement for. Anyone, you know, looking for a relationship and a spouse. Yeah, and, and be be willing to have conversations about what's important to you before you get married. Not wait till you, you know, to after you're married, and then you're like, what? You you don't like this, or you don't, you know, you don't actually align with my values. So I think sometimes we're just too quick to jump into a relationship, and we don't know many things about about like the deeper things like you know how do we how are we going to deal with conflict or you know how do you manage your finances you know i i didn't do all of those things and not that we messed everything up but it, it just could have saved a lot of time you know if mm. we just knowing these things that are really important for a foundation and and building a strong healthy relationship yeah. right and and none of us do it perfectly obviously and, yeah. and that's why yeah. it's great to have these conversations because you know learning from a couple that's been together for 27 years you've obviously done a lot right so it's mm. important to hear from you guys and, and see why it's working and, and what are some things that, that you've done but obviously we have things that we can share with the younger generation that they're about to get married and and it'd be good for them to know these sorts of things we're we just came yeah. up uh, last week was 12 years for us. So we're catching you, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to brag, but we were able to, we were able to sneak in for our 10 year anniversary to come over to. Yeah. And, and we went and did the mountains and saw um, uh, Milford Sound and all of that. It was amazing. Yeah. That was, that was our last big trip. And uh, it's like, in my mind, it's the greatest trip ever because it was my <laughs> last trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was beautiful down there. The South Island is oh, amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, anybody who has an opportunity needs to go there once they let us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so and... we're very thankful. Yeah. We're very thankful that God has, I think, really brought us to a place where we honor one another and, you know, in our marriage. And that's, that's very important. Yeah. I think the good thing to, 
as well is that we're still we're still learning, you know, and growing together. We're not the perfect, you know. We, we're still there's no textbook to, you know, that you can put on a, a relationship. We, we we're still continuing to learn about each other, and we're thankful that God is is, is always the center of our relationship. You know, right. so yeah. and that helps when you have that center point. That really does help. Mm. Well, in 2013, uh, I went on a mission trip with a number of young leaders from our church to the Philippines. It's an amazing trip for us, and it was a life-altering trip for a number of our young leaders at the POS. So many of them are still serving in ministry to this day. And we spent time in Baguio, Pangasinan, and Manila. And at that time, you two, along with your family, were missionaries serving in Manila. What led you guys to leave the comforts of New Zealand, everything that you had known your entire lives, and move to the Philippines to serve the church over there as missionaries? Um, in 2012, we went on a mission trip to Manila um, for two weeks with Brother Motu and Sister Motu, and um, it, it changed our lives. God just really started speaking to us and um, really gave us a burden again for souls and we went like well I went just to go to be honest um, that sounds really terrible but that's the truth mm -hmm. I just thought oh, okay I'll go on a mission trip but I had no clue of what God was going to do while we were there aside from just the Holy Ghost moving and 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 just you know seeing healings and all those kinds of things there God just started to work in us and, and just change me. And when we got home, everything was, what do you call it? Everything wasn't, there was nothing the same anymore. I didn't want to go back to normal life. We were working while serving and I realized that God was no longer the center, that we were all about service more than relationship. I'm very being very open right now. We'd been serving in the ministry, what, so that was um, 2012, so about 10 or, or more years, and it had become more about service than about a love for God. Mm. And so I came back, I sat on the couch, and I said to Billy, like, what are we even doing? Where are we going? Our life has no purpose. And from there, God started to speak to us in our sleep at different times. The next two weeks after that, like it happened very quickly. Wow. And we didn't talk to one another until two weeks because I, I said to him, look, God's been waking me up in the middle of the night and he's telling me that we need to move. But I don't know if I've, if that's just me because I'm, I feel stuck. Mm -hmm. And um, then he said that he was feeling the same thing as well. So we decided to pray and fast for about another month. And every word that came was a confirmation that God wanted us to not just move to somewhere in New Zealand, but to the Philippines. Wow. Just every word. Yeah. I, I remember the service where Brother Multi came to New Zealand and he informed everyone that, that there was a, a trip coming up for, you know, to travel to Manila and he made an altar call and they were asking, you know, who wants to go on this trip and, different ones started going up and at that time you know I said man we've got a job we've got bills to pay doing all this kind of thing so we can't go and 
I, I, I'm sitting there in the service during altar call and then I see my wife walking to the front. He's, he's going to go on this trip. I'm thinking, what are you doing? You know, like waving out to her. Um, but like she said, we ended up going on the trip. God opened it. We couldn't even afford it, but God opened the door. And I, I remember a lot of the visitations that we did. Yeah, it's just really. quite a blessing yeah life-changing uh, mm, it was we, life-changing it we changed our view yeah we went to our lives uh one church that they were like a hundred meters from the dump and the service was powerful i mean the worship um they got a group of new zealanders to preach so you know it was like that but the smell of the uh the dump coming through the you know, the windows and that, it was, it was strong, but your eyes and the experience that God was giving to us was awesome. It didn't stop their passion yeah. or their love or their worship. Right. You could just see them. That, that that didn't hinder their worship to God, and that, that spoke a lot to a lot of us. But every night after every visitation that we did on this trip, we we would catch a, a tricycle down to Pastor Hayley and Sister Roy's room, and we would just share our experience of the day, the visitations that we did. And he 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 didn't really say anything to us. He just smiled, you know. And I remember one one team meeting that we had all together before we were about to leave. And he said, you know what? We thank God for this experience here. But I will not be surprised if someone from our group receives a calling from God to come back. Wow. No one, we, we, we didn't know, we just thought, man, that'll be cool for someone in this group. Yeah. <laughs> Not knowing that when we came back to New Zealand, God would, would speak to us. Mm. And I remember after we got confirmation, and it was Pastor Hehe that was preaching all these messages concerning the calling of God, going out and, and, and just being a servant for the Lord. And after we got that confirmation and I went to see him, Straight after church one day, I said, Pastor, my, my family and I want to move to the Philippines. And he looked at me, gave me a great big smile, and he said, I already saw it. Mm. I already saw it in the Philippines there, that it was you and your family. Wow. And so, yeah. That's amazing. Mm. And you, you sort of touched on it a little bit uh, about one of the churches that you visited, you know, being mm. near a dump and there's extreme poverty in Manila. It's quite different to live in Manila than it is to visit for two weeks. Probably you guys are probably in a hotel. Were you in a hotel when you visited for the two weeks? Yes. We were, yeah, we were. Yeah. we're in exactly <laughs> the same hotel that you came to. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's a nice, that's a pretty nice hotel. Yeah. Well, I, actually, I do want to say this um, before we move on. We, we booked our accommodation here because we were going up to uh, Pampanga and we just got told that the Bible school in Pampanga is in this area and you need to book a hotel in this area. So Sister Lisa and, the, the, and the girls, they found us a, a hotel and, and we were all happy because it was like within our range of, of finances. And we arrived and we realized that the hotel that we booked was in the middle of the red light district area. <laughs> Smack, like right in the middle of it. And we <laughs> we saw a lot of things because we would have team prayer meetings down in the foyer. And 
just different people were coming and going. It was there's too much change. Yeah, yeah obviously. What, yeah. what an experience! We, we we prayed like we've never prayed before every day. <laughs> so how was it getting used to everyday life once you guys were on the field in the Philippines in, in Manila? How was it getting used to that that change? First year was very hard actually. Um, it was very challenging because everything is different from. Uh, food to the language barrier to the you know just trans even transport trying to get anywhere it takes a long time uh so yeah it was very challenging at first and that first year was pretty hard to actually let go like you know like the people of israel when they were le when they left egypt mm. like it's not the same i get it but it's, it's so easy to just hold on to home, things of home. And I think that was our problem for that first year. Well, my problem was, you know, oh, I miss the food. Yeah. Oh, I miss my family. And even though God made a way in everything, he provided everything for us. And, you know, it was, it's really that, um, that was challenging, just letting go and, and letting God. Yeah. Once we did that, God just, God changed everything. Yeah. So uh, for me, it, I know a bit of what you're talking about, like when I first moved to Australia from America, just comparing everything constantly, the food, yes. and the church and blah, blah, blah. And obviously it's quite different moving from a great country to another great country. Not that the Philippines isn't great, but it is quite different to the West. But then once I got to this, to the spot where this is my home, Australia is my home. And yeah, that's how they do it in America. But, you know, this is where God has called me and this is what I love, mm -hmm. you know. Yes, and, that, and that's totally it. We were challenged on many levels. I mean, even with immigration, with the kids, like schooling and things like that, um, as well as like church was amazing. We, we That was the best part of our week was always whenever we went out to visit churches or we were at church on a Sunday as well. We had three services um, a day. 7 a.m. 7 a.m. <laughs> Yeah. when services started but that was the highlight definitely and we we loved all of that but we were just challenged in other ways and um it was about us letting go of our support systems that we'd known as well and learning to really trust god and once we allowed that to happen um that second year was was it became our home yeah, yeah. it became so, everything so you guys were there for two years just over two years, yeah. I, I still remember the first day when we arrived there, really, because um, we sold everything that we had, our vehicles. We didn't have much. <laughs> whatever furniture we had and just different things just to, just to gather together finances and that. But I, I still remember when we got there, they, the family there, and, and um, we acknowledged the Martinez family, who really took care of us while we were there. Um, but... They took us to our hotel and all we had was our luggage bags. Um, and I, I remember them sitting in the middle of our little hotel room that we were in. And I sat there on the table, at, at, on, the, on one of the chairs, and I said, what have we just done? You know? <laughs> like, it's you when know, reality said it. Yeah, we traveled, like, right. traveled like 10, 12 hour flight and brought my whole family here, my boys don't even know what's going on properly. And I had that feeling, what have I just done? And went for a walk outside and it was so busy. And I, I think God just made me realize this is why you're here. There are a lot of people 
millions and millions. Yeah. I think it was like, what, 90 million or 98 million at that time. And there are many that don't know God, like you know him. So I think God was just saying, this is where I want you to be, you know. Mm. I just had to realize that obviously you're going to miss family, you're going to miss uh, the normal, but you've got to step up in faith and trust me in this one. And um, We did that. I'm thankful for the experiences that God gave to us there. Yeah. So what did you guys take away from your time over there? You spent just over two years in the Philippines, because this isn't your whole story. We're going to get to the rest of your story. But mm. what yeah. did you take away from your time over there? That it's all about the people. It's about getting in with the people. It's not about the service. Right? I said earlier that we'd got gotten caught up in just the the doing you know like um it just had become something you know that we did every week yeah but and it, it was it's it's so easy to do you know like yeah. as far as i'm concerned it's so easy to yeah, just is. get involved to you know service after service this is what we're doing this week this is what we're doing this week oh we got this special event we got this camp we got that and before you know it all you're doing is serving church people and you're not really connecting with people outside church exactly so it it brought us back to um to relationship actually you know because there were so many barriers in the way that a lot of the people in 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 mandaport couldn't speak english as well and but they can speak love you know mm. they can you just sitting with them and and just eating with them and it spoke a lot more than what words could speak. So that was a huge takeaway for me was just spending time with people that, and we weren't the same, but that was okay because, you know, we served the same God and we knew, yeah, I don't know. We just could push past all of that. So that that's what was really important to me. Yeah. I think like for myself coming away from New Zealand and going to the Philippines, I think like what Sister Lisa was saying, it's it, 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 it built my or our relationship with God. Mm. When we moved there, all we had was each other and our boys. Um, we had another young man that was with us, um, Elisha Roundtree, who joined us as well for one year. But that was our family, and, and that that's really all we could sort of trust in was, was our relationship because if our family was strong, you know, we'd be able to get through whatever, wherever God leads us. But for me, it was all about how just getting to know God more again. And God changing us, mm. like making mm. us. Having true worship, us having, yeah. you know, true, that, that true love for God once again. Because here, it plateaued, our, our, our life in God here plateaued, just ourselves. I'm not talking about the, the work here, but ourselves we plateaued in everything and once we left god said you know god said to us that there's more and i can give you more if you would just do what i, I want you to do and and when we started doing the work of the lord our relationship with with god grew more yeah. and and so we couldn't see that while we were here in new zealand but god had to take us away from our normal place our, our comfortable place and bring us to a place where we can see that we needed to trust him more right. because every day you know 
we're thankful for all our mission um, mission uh, partners and missions and Pentecostals of Sydney. Um, we're a big part of our, our our partners and missions as well. But we didn't know some weeks um, where our finances were coming from, and, and to trust in God with all of those things um, was was huge for us. But God always provided. Mm-hmm. God always blessed us, and, and I'm thankful that we had that opportunity for God to stir up, stir us up one more time, you know. Yeah. And so that was, um, I guess, something that I'll take away, that, that closer relationship with God. And it was such a huge step of faith, you know. It's a massive step of faith to leave everything you've ever known and to go over there. And, yeah, the church over there is quite big in the Philippines, but it's a... It's it's not a wealthy church by any stretch of the imagination, and as you said, there's but, millions but upon millions do, of people. They do give their best in everything, yeah. and it's next level stuff. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. They may not have much, but whatever they do have is man, next they serve level. God with excellence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They do. Yeah. yeah, and and the Philippine the Filipinos that move over to Australia make for the absolute best saints. I mean, they just give and give and give. It's such a blessing. Well, when you came back from the Philippines, you then answered the call to start a church. Where was that that you started? uh, We started a a church out in East Auckland, the eastern part of Auckland, an area called Highland Park. What was the most difficult aspect for you all in planting a church? I'm sure there's many difficulties, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, but what would you say would be one of the most difficult aspects for you? I think for me is learning how to be a pastor. I had, I guess we, we both had grown up in, in serving in our, our churches in leadership roles. And so a lot of times our pastors, well, our pastor at that time would, would, would travel a lot and looking up we were the ones that would look after the church a lot um and that was that was easy to do but then when you became the pastor you know you had a bit more responsibility um you had to look after the cares of the church the the people in the church um preparing yourself for messages and counseling um i I didn't do that while I was like helping out, but now to be a pastor, that all those things, I, yeah, that I, I it was a lot to learn. Oh yeah, a lot like, to pray for, a lot to fast for too. I've been blessed to work with my pastor for was it going on, well, just over twelve years now, because I got hired on full time. Well, thirteen years because I was an intern for a year, but I've been able to see sort of up close what it's kind of like to pastor a bit, you know, what the week looks like. And I see people that are really aspiring and really want to be a pastor. And I'm like, man, you guys have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea what you're getting into. I remember our first, I'm oh, sorry. I remember our first altar call in the Philippines. Um, and we were praying with two young boys. Real, I think they might've been about maybe nine, 19 years old. And I remember praying with them and, um, uh, their, their parents introduced them to us and they looked at, me, looked at me and they said, you know what I want to be when I grow up? I said, what, what son? And he said, I want to be a pastor. Hmm. You know, and I thought, I, I, you know, I've never heard that from any young child ever, like for me, I haven't. 
and to see that desire to be a leader, to be a pastor, this is just something awesome. But man, when you, when you when you're there, it's it's a different story. I really got to appreciate my past and my leaders um, when I started, when we started pastoring and leading a church. That there's a lot more to just preaching and, and sharing a word on a Sunday. Yeah. You know, I thought, and all he gets to do is travel and all that kind of thing. But there's a lot more to it. It's, so, it's a bit part, like it's a bit like parenting you know like before yeah, you're yeah. a parent like you know everything right i yeah. can make all the right decisions and you don't realize what your parents really went through until you become a parent and you got your own kids and it's constantly evolving you know so mm. i've only had the experience of having a five-year-old or younger i uh, can't even imagine what it's like to have teenagers <laughs> and that sort of stuff yeah but it's like, like for our youth ministry days because that, that taught us a lot as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah true what about you sister lisa um, do you mean about the difficult aspect? Yes. Yeah. For me, it was, it was not becoming, like it was difficult to not become attached to people. Mm. Um, when we started a church, um, yeah, it sounds probably weird, but you know, no, you I get what you mean. It's like love people yeah. immediately. Yeah. Um, and you can become very attached so that I found that very difficult to just to not be attached if I mm. could put it like that because understanding that they don't belong to me mm. that they are that they are gods and um so that was difficult for me like just I guess setting boundaries um yeah yeah and just loving people without expecting anything in return yeah, I totally understand what you're saying because, you know, when, and obviously I haven't been a pastor yet, but you, even when you're teaching Bible studies and then someone decides not to come to church or they turn their back on God, you know, it can really hurt. And I can imagine what it would be like if you're planning a church and you're investing all this time and energy into people. You know? And you think it's your fault too. Yeah. Like, another thing. So just, I guess, learning all of those kind of boundaries in that first year was very important because, yeah. Because that was really, really difficult. So on the opposite side of that, what was the most re rewarding part of planting a church? I think seeing pe the, the people that, that were a part of our church grow, grow the things of God. And even those who didn't know God at the start, to see them baptized in Jesus' name and, you know, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I thought that that was, that's, that was a rewarding thing for us as well. Me, oh. it's being in the will of God, actually, mm. because when you're in the will of God, God orders it and God opens doors and, um, you know, yeah, you know, that, that he's got his hand on, on you. Mm. Um, so that's, for me, that's the most rewarding, to be honest, to see people come to God. Yes. But also to just be in the will of God and know that God is with you, that he's opening the doors and that he's ordering the steps. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that's what I'm hey. <laughs> ditto, ditto, you know. <laughs> so that church in East Auckland, uh, ultimately, it would merge together with the Pentecostals of Auckland, and you two yeah. are uh, leading leading the work, or you're part of the leadership of the. We, Pentecostals. we are part of the leadership part of the leadership group with this. So there is Pastor Marlo Sapita, um, alongside Pastor Peter as well. So um, we're we're working together. And, and 
the Pentecostals of Auckland. Great church. Mm. Enjoying it. <laughs> How are things going in New Zealand? Anybody outside of New Zealand, Australia, all we hear about is the negatives. You guys have, you, you sort of alluded to it a bit earlier with your anniversary. You faced some really harsh lockdowns, uh, some of the harshest in the entire world. And uh, so yes, that obviously would have had a... Go ahead. One week, and then we're straight into what lockdown, I think. Wow. Yeah, we didn't get much warning when they yeah. when it first came. It was more like a few days. Yeah, a couple of days to get this and that, and then we're going lockdown. So. And you guys have pretty much been in and out of lockdown the last couple of years. Yep. Yes, some very big ones, some very long ones. Anyway, um, it's been pretty tough, and there's a lot of I guess as we came along with all the lockdowns. A lot of negativity, a lot of clashing. Fear. Yeah, fear and anxiety, this, all that stuff. But then it started coming into different areas of the churches and that. And so it's more about trying to encourage them to, you know, really trust God and encourage one another in these times. Zoom became huge here, as, as it did everywhere else, and online services. When you're doing that for almost half a year, oh, it's terrible. people are over it and yeah. and so forth and so. And because we're hiring a community building too as well for church, so um, we ended up just doing everything from home, mm. and yeah, going into lockdown very um, quickly. We weren't ready for lives and all that kind of stuff, so um, <laughs> it was challenging. But the Lord made a way, and we just used simple things that we had on board and. You know, I just started having church from home, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I think people forget how challenging it is for um, smaller churches that don't even have a building. Like our our daughter church here, they it's always up in the air because they're renting a school hall and churches all across Australia. They're they're renting uh, a lot of them. Some have their own buildings, which is which is a blessing, but others are renting. And because of this, you may not feel to be that strict as a church yourself, but it's not really up to you when it's a community hall, it's it's uh, run by the government. And so they're going to lay down, you know, the rules as to how you're going to be able to get together or not. And it's it's happening now as well. I mean, even for some of our, I guess, ladies ministry events and that, there's a lot of restrictions on hiring the halls. And now this thing concerning vexed and unvexed, it's, there's a lot of things, a lot of red tape in areas, so you can't just hire a hall and go now. It's 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 quite tough for our ministries here in New Zealand to try and book a place. Yeah. So we we lately we've been having to come back to our national building in South Auckland, but I think it's an opportunity for us because everyone was doing their own thing outside of our national building. Now it's it's brought everyone back to the building and and. We're slowly trying to upgrade a few things there. Yeah, so those restrictions are still around us at the moment, but um, everyone's getting through. Everyone's yeah, it's, getting. it's been encouraging seeing you, you guys online. I mean, obviously, you'd rather not. I must apologize at the beginning of this to force you onto another Zoom call. sick and tired of it. But it's been good to see, you know, your, your social media presence and and uh, you guys are in a, a time of prayer and fasting right now, and that's been really encouraging seeing your updates and, and all that. Sister Lisa? Um, oh, what I was going to say is that actually with the lockdowns, at, and the first lockdown in 2020, 
that's where we begin to seek the Lord for direction of where to go next because we, I don't know, we just felt that God was going to change our direction. And so that that happened during lockdown where we merged with POA. Um, yeah. I think that was in July or, yeah, it happened during lockdown and also um, with my father talking with, with um, Bill as well about it. And, um, but that was also, that came out of a lot of prayer because, yeah, just things, people started to move away, things, just small things were happening within the church and and then we prayed about it and God just started to direct us there. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I just wanted to explain why, because we're only in that church, I think, for about three years and then lockdown came and then we merged. So it was very quick, but... A lot yeah. of it's been outside of your control as well. I mean, yes, yes, just, the last two years has basically been a lesson in hey, you actually don't have nearly as much control as you thought you did. So what I like to ask this question to pretty much anyone who comes on the podcast. I think I've only missed it in a few conversations. But what drives you when it comes to ministry? I'd like both of you to answer this one. So what is it that is that driving force for you when it, when it comes to ministry? I think for me, and Sister Lisa's already spoken about it, but number one is, is love God. You know, never lose my awe. We'll never lose the awe of God in in, in our lives. Um, if he, you know, if I lose that, then everything else is going to fail. You know, and so my drive is to continue to love God and keep Him the main focus of everything that I do. Ministry is not about uh, a position, a title. There are some benefits to ministry, but at the end of the day, if you lose your purpose for ministry then it's all, all for nothing and so one of them is yeah, just to never lose my awe of god and number two is to continue to love people you know you you, you lose your burden for others your love for others then then what are you doing you know? what are you doing yeah mm, and so i think i think those two things are important to me love god and loving people and, and, and that gives me that drive to do all I can for the ministry that God has called me to. Mm. That's good. Mine's probably much the same, but when I'm I not saw... I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> you guys <laughs> um, have been working together for so many years, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely is the love of God that drives me. When I consider, I guess, what God has done for me, like he's healed me, he's delivered me, he changed my life. And when I got to that place where it was all about service rather than him, I I kind of made a vow, I suppose, to just never lose, yeah, to, to always have his the cross before me and to never forget of his love for me so that I can always love others as he loved me. So that is my drive um, in ministry and service and in, in, in my love for God. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, it's been a privilege to have you guys on, and thank you for experimenting with me. My first time ever having two on at the same time. I appreciate you guys setting your, your time aside uh, over there in Auckland to join us on on the podcast. Uh, love you guys, and, and appreciate all that you're doing for the kingdom. And and uh, we can't wait to see you guys again over here. We just we cannot. Oh, I wait. can't wait. Yes. <laughs> Well, we like to end these conversations with giving the guests an opportunity 
to share a word with the listeners, anything that God has laid on your heart to, to share with the podcast. And again, thank you so much for coming on today. Awesome. Again, just want to say thank you to Brother Greek for allowing us to be here. Privilege. Such a privilege. I never, ever thought in my life that I'd be on a podcast. <laughs> and we're so thankful for yeah. just um, you all and for the friends that we've, you know, um, grown with, grown up with, basically, in the Pentecostals of Sydney, just your support, your... We love, we love that friendship and that camaraderie that we, that we have with one another. That that mission trip that you all came on was was life changing as well. Yeah, it's the best, absolute best. Good to see people from home. Those, those, <laughs> and you guys, you guys just ripped it up over there, reaching it. Mm. So, but um, I, I guess all I would like to say to those who are listening is just, just one scripture that's really blessed me, um, and it's in Ecclesiastes three and one. We simply say these words to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Oh, I thought of using that scripture today because I just want to remind us all that he's the God of every season and we must hold on while we're in the different seasons that we go through. Right now a lot of our countries around the world are in totally different seasons not necessarily nature seasons but just different things that are happening in you know in all our countries but like the seasons um, that we experience four times a year i guess i can say they always change they never stay they're never there forever but they're always changing and some of us may be struggling you know some of us may be going through some tough times maybe tired especially our leaders and, and pastors and all of those kind you know, those kinds of people. But I just want to say to us, just in this short word, just to know that the seasons will change and our struggles and our pains, they will, they will pass on and God will give us a joy, a peace and a happiness once again. But all that we need to do is just hold on and remember that He is the God of every season. God has given the seasons for a reason and, and we know that when we trust Him, He will bring everything to pass. And so I just want to leave those words. It's very simple, but just to remind us, just hold on. The seasons are going to change and God is going to bring us through to a new season. And whatever season that we're in, we can trust Him, lean upon Him and believe in Him today.